0: If I have to scout 40 creators, I'm always going to have 80, just as a sort of buffer. And if it doesn't work out with one creator just because they're really asking for so much more, then it just won't work out for this moment in this project. So we'll use another creator.
1: You're listening to the Let's Talk Marketing podcast hosted by me, Katya Allison. So, what have you gotten yourself into? In short, a good time, great conversation, and a little bit of learning along the way. Through insightful interviews with top marketers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, I explore the latest trends, techniques, and strategies in the world of marketing. I'm here to offer you engaging and informative discussions to help you stay up to date on the latest trends and take your marketing skills to the next level. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to chat. Are you ready to listen? In this episode, we're covering... Understanding Budgets When Working With Creators, with Jenny and You. Jenny has 17 years of experience in the entertainment industry, working as a publicist at Sony, EMI, and Warner Music, before transitioning to managing influencers in 2014. She later led the talent and influencer division at Global Social Agency in New York City, and recently started her own venture. Jenny has worked with various celebrities, influencers, helping brands like Travel and Leisure and Cash App with their marketing campaigns. She volunteers at Give Kids the World and Pet Alliance and is a dog lover who frequently fosters dogs. Darling's Collective is a team of experienced and creative individuals with a no-nonsense approach to digital marketing, and I'm glad that she said yes to coming on to the podcast. So let's talk marketing with Jenny. Jenny, welcome to the Let's Talk Marketing podcast. I'm excited to have you on here. Today, we are going to be diving into budgets and working with creators and budgets and all that good stuff. But before that, we're going to dive into getting to know you a little bit. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited. Same. All right, so let's dive into getting to know you. I want to know what your first marketing role was and then also where you're at now. Gosh, that was many moons ago.
0: My first marketing role was actually in advertising. I was an advertising coordinator for an agency called St. Luke's that were in England. And they were an agency that were very well known for only taking on five clients and just going above with those clients. They had huge clients like Eurostar, Boots, all of that. That was my first job. And then my second job and where I continued my career was in the music industry at Sony Records. I then moved on to EMI, Warners, and what became a publicist for 10 years in the industry. And then here I am in the all my skills transferred. And now I'm in the influencer marketing space. And I've been in it for six years.
1: I love it. Now, what do you love about what you're currently doing? But conversely, what would, if you could, pluck out of what you're currently doing? Like, it would be a perfect job if only I didn't have to do this part.
0: (laughs) I love everything about the job. I work on the brand side and I do run the influencer marketing and strategy for brands. And what I love more than anything is seeing a campaign from start to when it goes live and seeing the content go live. And just seeing these amazing creators create content for this project and having such passion about it And just doing a seamless and effortless job. So that's the best bit about my job. Yeah. One thing that I could change is the back and forth of negotiations and fees. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you're
1: alone in that for sure.
0: There's not much that I don't love. I love my clients. I love the creators that I cast and work with. I love all the agents that I have built relationships with. Yeah. And I love the WIM community for sure, because we wouldn't have met otherwise.
1: This is so true. I've actually recorded this week, and I think Wim has had a shout out in every single recording because it is just such a great group. Can't say it enough. You know, I am kind of curious because you did mention transferable skills to what you're doing now. What transferable skills do you think has helped you or benefited you to what you're doing right now?
0: So, in the music industry, as a publicist, I will deal with the artist manager and the artist directly and obviously all the internal teams within Warners, anywhere from the A&R team, who the team who signed the bands, to the marketing team. So all these different departments. But I think being a strong communicator, Mm -hmm. being real, just going above and beyond for the client who is the artist and the record label, and yeah, strong communication skills, being personable, not thinking about things too much and just getting the job done. All those skills are
1: transferable. I love that. I think that when people are hiring people, especially for like the creator influencer space, whether you're on the brand or the creator side, these are definitely skills that are key to success because it helps when building out relationships. Yeah. Now, I am also very curious about your social media networks. I always think that this is a fun question because I'm looking for where people spend their time as far as like, where do you go from a social network perspective to get inspired, entertained, or educated? We've had some guests that don't go on any of those for education or for inspiration or entertainment. So I'm curious, as far as like social media networks, where do you go for those? I'll be honest with you because I'm on social all the time for work. Yeah. I still
0: cast creators from social platforms as well as relationships, the agents, but still organically find creators. So I'm on it a lot. So I can't say that I use it personally. I sometimes connect with my friends in England. So yeah, going back to the OG way of connecting with people, education, follow The Economist, Okay, And I read The Economist. So that's my education. The reason I read The Economist is not necessarily because I'm into finance. It's actually something that my husband recommended who does work in finance, but it is some very lifestyle articles. And it's a great way. They cover a lot of different companies from lifestyle to beauty to just I think staying up to date with the economy and understanding it will help us understand where brands are in the moment or in the future and to just predict and just not be shocked with what's about to happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Budgets can change. That isn't necessarily a definition of we're not spending on influencer, but they just have to adjust. Yeah. And just understanding the economy a bit better and the world economy really has help me
1: understand and educate my team as well. I feel like that's really good, well, you wouldn't call it advice because I asked the question, but I think that's kind of good advice for anybody who's listening. I have not heard that at all as of yet, that going to The Economist makes sense in the way that you've outlined it for sure. What about for inspiration and entertainment? If you're not going to social for that, how do you get inspired? Where do you get inspiration from?
0: Okay. My inspiration are my children because they are on social all the time. So I am being told exactly what's going on with all the brands that are on their For You page and what kind of videos come up. And I also check their socials. You know, they're quite young. There's some weird that goes out there. So we have to just be careful with that. But they are my inspiration. The CEO, he has some incredible guests. His name's Steve Bartlett. He was the original founder of Social chain, the digital agency that is now worldwide and was sold. And he's on Dragon's Den, which is Shark Tank in England. He has some incredible guests and he's one of those people who just constantly wants to better himself. Yeah. We're just all here to better ourselves. The other thing that I do for inspiration is I journal every morning for five minutes. Love that. Just to ground myself, this can be a very all consuming industry. So that's yeah. something that I do an inspiration. Another one is Vogue. It's just old
1: school. It is old school, but I like it. I'm here for it. Now, aside from The Economist, how are you staying up to date on trends? It sounds like The Economist helps and then your kids help. So everyone has a different skill set. And I
0: have a really young, amazing team of women, girls, if you call them. We all like to still be called girls, but you know they keep me in the loop on absolutely everything and I rely on them I rely on the children again like I'm on social all day long so you can see what goes viral you can see the trends you can see what other brands are doing it's just observing and admiring what other brands are doing as well not just my brands and I also get influenced all the time by certain influences.
1: Oh my gosh, I do too. I live in the world of being influenced. I don't even remember the last thing that I purchased, but I literally said, no, I was completely influenced to purchase this. I didn't even realize that I needed it until I saw it.
0: Well, I think also the belt bag from Lululemon did an incredible job back then. And also the new one is everyone in this family wants a Stanley Cup.
1: That is a huge one right now. I think actually Target had to limit how many could be purchased at a time. That's how huge it got. That's hysterical. I know. That's brilliant. I mean, we got
0: two from Target and we just didn't order the other day because of the new colors that came out. Oh my gosh,
1: I love that. (laughs) Well, let's dive into talking a little bit of marketing, talking a little bit of budgeting. One of the things that I was really excited about bringing you on for is not just talking about this, but the space that you're in is FinTech which I would like to start off talking about because it's not one that lends to this traditional style of working with influencers and creators where there's product gifting, right? Like I think that that is a standard practice for a lot of brands is let me give you the product, tell me what your honest feedback is, but how are you doing it without having a product to gift? I think that's important to listen to before we dive into truly, how are you figuring out your budget? So,
0: yes, I'm in the fintech industry. I do the influencer marketing for two S&P 500 brands. One started in Australia and then became huge in the US, and they offer at the checkout pay in four installments interest-free. So, mm-hmm. they rely on retailers, essentially merchants for this service. So, mm-hmm. what I do is the co-marketing, influencer marketing so that could be this brand and lululemon this brand and boden but we typically give the creator extra money to buy the product because sometimes we can't ship the product in time or the brand can't ship the product in time so it's just a little bit easier and then the creator can pick what they like part of their style that fits into you know their style we want it to just be seamless we don't want to be like you have to wear this outfit doesn't work for you and we've hired you and now you just have to wear this outfit so we like them to just pick it select we might not have a huge budget but we typically compensate and partner with all our creators in this space mainly because two reasons we value their time we value that they're content creators we also have an approval process so there's a whole process in place and everyone has to be, I believe, and everyone has to be compensated. I also believe sometimes with product placement, there could be a backlash from certain creators and it's just not worth it. It's always the brand should just, con- I always advise and just consideration that it's their reputation. Yeah. So if we don't have a huge budget, we definitely will say this is the fee. And if it doesn't work for the creator, we can't just magically find the budget. We just say, we hope that we can work together another time.
1: We love your content. And that is the honest truth. I have so much to unpack of what you've said. So what I picked up on was you use the term co-marketing, which I love because I think that that is kind of an underused term when you're thinking about creators and influencers. So that's fantastic. But it also sounds like when it comes to budget, you're looking at all right, what's the money I'm going to give them to purchase this product, as well as what am I going to pay them for the content, I would imagine? How are you balancing the two out?
0: That's a great question. Well, for this brand, I mean, mm-hmm. I'll say the brand, it's after pay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: First of all, we don't want to share irresponsible spending. So we have a deliberate stipend that will get them certain products within that collection. And the campaign in particular might focus on spring style or depending where we are in the calendar year. Yeah. That will reflect the campaign. Or if there's a product launch or if there's a holiday like Mother's Day or any holiday, that budget is a plus up to their fee.
1: Okay. A plus up? Yeah. So it's
0: just like an additional. Yeah. It's not the fee. And then we will just add on. Spending money to buy the product.
1: When you guys are approaching them or when your team is approaching them, you're bringing to them the co-marketing, right? Like let's say it's Abercrombie and Afterpay. Are you coming from Afterpay or are you coming for Abercrombie? Like I feel like that's a fine needle to thread because I would imagine a creator would be really excited. Like I get to partner with Abercrombie, but no, you're actually partnering with Afterpay. How do you balance that out?
0: So Abercrombie and Afterpay will both have key topics. Yeah. And we try and keep it as condensed as possible, but there's just like an equal amount of, like say the video is 30 seconds, it's going to be 50 Abercrombie, 50 Afterpay. Yeah. So that's how the pie splits. And, you know, the majority is, is the clothing collection, the toes are going to be at the forefront. Yeah. You can shop Nordstrom, And check out with Afterpay and, you know, you can update your spring closet with a few pieces and that person will just showcase the pieces that they added to their spring closet and why they picked it. Maybe they have an event that they're going to and they're like, you know, got this dress and I'm going to a wedding and got this and I checked out with Afterpay.
1: Sounds like it's a really good balance between the two brands that you're working on and how they tie together. And it's probably just really great brand exposure for afterpay, I would imagine, because you start to see all of the brands that you can leverage with that particular technology. Now, when it comes to really setting your budget, though, you have so many moving pieces. There are a lot of people that think more is more. Like I need a thousand influencers and creators, but when you have a budget, it's really tough to be like, I can't afford a thousand. How do you determine how many creators you're going to leverage for a particular campaign? I would imagine it's based on like the budget you've been given. There's a lot of balance questions because I think you're in such a space where it is a little bit of a balance of, okay, we want the right creators. And I have a limited budget and this is what I'm going to spend. So how do you determine the budget for your influencer campaigns?
0: Most finance departments at brands, there will be a finance department. They will have financial planning and they will have forecast revenue. Yeah. So you have forecast revenue. Then you have expenses. Marketing is an expense, but you want to marry the marketing into forecast revenue. So depending on where we're at in the marketing funnel, say we're brand awareness. Yeah. Then depending on where we are in the fiscal year and what the product launch is, we will be given a certain budget and KPI goals. Typically at the beginning of the year, we have the time to experiment. Yeah. With niche creators from college students who play sports or, you know, do something and really experiment and see the results and take that data and use it for the next campaign. So we always use data for the following campaign. Yeah. So a great example, if there is a product launch, we might have slightly more budget, we will set success goals in place, the brand and the brand typically will discuss them if they're realistic within the budget. And then we'll adjust the success goals based off our budget. Does that make sense?
1: No, it does make sense. And I think what I'm also hearing is you're very connected to the bottom line of the campaign. I think that this is honestly one of the very few conversations where forecasting even came up which I love because I think that in your position or any marketer, they should have a good understanding of where budgets as a whole are so that you can marry them with what it is that you're doing on executing a campaign. So I love the fact that you're taking the data that you're getting from the brands and figuring out where you're going to spend it, right? Kudos to you. Because also the facts that you're like, no, at the beginning of the year, I'm going to have more budget. This is when I'm going to want to try to get this type of influencer and creator speaks volumes how effective you must be at your job. Because I think a lot of people miss that, especially when it comes to working with influencers, right? It's all about, I need to get the big name, but it sounds like you're very strategic with it because you are looking at your bottom line. So when it comes to finding that right creator. Give me some tips for how you're scouting the creators to help you fit within the budget, execute the goals and all of that stuff. I mean, some of it has got to be, I don't know, a shot in the dark, I would imagine. But you know, what are some tips for scouting good talent?
0: So with Afterpay, I've worked with around 4,000 creators over the past two years. From New York Fashion Week to regular brand campaigns, to Afterpay and a retailer. So I've seen all kinds of content. Mm-hmm. I've seen the process behind making the content. And I know certain creators that will create content effortlessly yeah. and are just really strong creators. We might have tight deadlines, but they just totally get it. They read the brief. They would deliver content that hits the topic but feels so authentic to them. Yeah. And there could be just a tiny tweak of an overlay. And that's wonderful. So we will continuously work with them for that brand. It's so easy. It's so wonderful. And we just keep on returning to a bucket of creators. Yeah. We're very loyal, very, very, very loyal to our creators. And that's 100%. So that's after pay. In general, for the other brands that I work for, it depends on the demographic. So if the demographic is like 18 to 24, which is Gen Z, we will hone in on specific creators. So that could be fashion and style creators that are youthful and fun. They will typically have a following on IG of probably around anywhere from 20K to 150k. We will find them authentically on TikTok or IG. Love finding creators that way still to this day. And we still also go to YouTube Shorts as well. Love it. There's nothing better than that. I actually found for one of my British clients, an amazing DIY person in England on YouTube Shorts. And both the brands were obsessed with her.
1: That's amazing. I love that you spend time because I feel like that's where some brands get turned off that what I have noticed talent agents have so finely tuned into is, oh my gosh, it takes so much time to find these right creators. So they're looking for this kind of like spray and pray approach of like, I wanna talk to 1000 creators so that they all say yes, but you in your space have to be incredibly strategic with the type of talent that you work with. So I appreciate that you're still going to the networks and really honing in and trying to find that right creator who's authentic, that would be interested in it, that you actually like viewing their content, which I think is really key.
0: Yes, 100% love viewing their content and see that they have brand affinity. Brand affinity is over everything. I can tell a creator based off the brand messaging that the brand has, the brand identity, I can tell that that creator is going to probably 100% create genuine content for this brand. That's what I love because at the end of the day, brand affinity is over anything. And especially when I might show a collection and it's a new one, the creator will just be like, oh my gosh, I love it for this reason. And you know,
1: immediately you're like, they genuinely love it. I feel like you have some Jenny magic also. that can help you identify that because I feel like that's so tough. I can just see it all. It's a beautiful mind, right? Like kind of a thing that when you're talking about it, that's what I picture. You kind of like know when you know, how do you not know this? But you have to also help educate your team on finding that kind of talent as well too. So you have a limited budget and this obviously multiple brands run into this. You have a limited budget and then you've got a couple of creators that you really want to sign on, what do you use to kind of determine which one you go for as far as the budget? Or do you work towards trying to stretch it out? This is a bad analogy, but robbing Peter to pay Paul in like a campaign to campaign scenario. What do you use when you're trying to figure out, do I go with this creator because they fit into my budget? Or is it going to be better for this other creator to also be part of this campaign?
0: Again, depends on where I am in the marketing funnel, what our success goals are. But I give a good example. Last October, I worked with Cash by Cash App on the launch of the Laquan Smith collection with Cash by Cash App, the partnership. And our goal was to work with around 40 creators. We had a certain budget and we wanted obviously Above all, my agency and all the brands that I work with, otherwise, I wouldn't work with them. Diversity and inclusion is above all simple. Agree. There's no negotiable, there's nothing that I pretty much won't take a brand on if they didn't have that same philosophy as my agency. Yeah. So I really wish there was a compliance department
1: <laughs> that could help regulate the fees. <laughs> That was almost gonna be the topic of the podcast because you and I were both very passionate about regulation in this space. Yeah, every company has a compliance
0: department, they have a compliance and legal department, and there's a finance compliance department as well, but we just don't have it in this space. And I will tell you this many times: I've seen someone with exactly the same following. I'm a big fan of Tagger, I love Tagger, and I can see everything i can just run the analytics of each creator through tagger especially if we have certain success goals but you know it's hard you have the same creator who has the same following less engagement analytics aren't as strong as the other person and they're asking for four thousand dollars more yeah and it's very difficult but i feel like we have to be fair We have to look at their content creation. I can sometimes spend eight to 10 emails of back and forth on negotiations. And sometimes it just doesn't work. It's just a math calculation. I say this all the time. It is a math calculation. We can't just magic money. Yeah. Unless you want to take my fee and use it on your influencer, which is counterproductive. Yeah. Which I've never actually said, so I'm actually saying it here. (laughs) You heard it here first. Yeah. You just want to make everything fair. And typically, if I have to scout 40 creators, I'm always going to have 80. Okay. Yeah. Just as a sort of buffer. And if it doesn't work out with one creator, just because they're really asking for so much more, then it just won't work out for this moment in this project. So we'll use another creator. You know, we've had it before where we were back and forth, back and forth. And the creator couldn't even turn in the content on
1: time. Yes,
0: she was two weeks late. I was like, you know
1: what? <laughs>
0: what we the campaign's been and gone.
1: Yeah, it's a business too for them as well. It should be treated as that. I know that that's one of the things that we we're talking about, adhering to timelines. It is a respect thing as well too. I mean, both sides have jobs to do. So you have to be able to deliver content on time or deliver deliverables on time too. I feel like all of that Definitely makes sense. It is a balance. I mean, it would be great if there was a for sure, okay, if you have these two influencers, but you have this budget, then it means this. It is a balance. And then there is the relationship piece that you have to take into account as well, too. Like, am I going to work with this creator again? or maybe there's a different opportunity. So one of the things that I appreciate that you have said throughout us recording is really, you're honest with them. You're honest with them in regards to where you are with the budget. You're honest with them of like, it's not going to work this time, but maybe next time. I think oftentimes we talk about the breakup. Some people have a really hard time saying no, but I think there's a kind way of saying not right now. Maybe it's a no for this, but not right now, maybe in the future. And I don't know, I'm a big believer. Don't burn bridges. You never know. It's gonna be the right person at the right time.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I'm very honest and I save every single email so I can reference where we're at with that rate and see if we can work with that creator again. But I have just been working with so many creators this year that have incredible content and it's super exciting. And they've gone through the brand approval process and it's just been a dream.
1: So Long made that rain. Nice. Well, you've given me so much of your time. I have one final question, the one that we end with. If you knew then what you know now, what is the marketing advice that you give to yourself?
0: You know what? I had an incredible mentor in the music industry. Her name is Sarah Adams, and she was an incredible mentor to me as a woman. And she guided me through my ups and downs as a publicist. And she made me one of the incredible strongest publicist. So I was truly blessed. And if you can have a mentor and you can have someone that you can just turn to for just advice, I think that's just really important. Also, don't feel like you have to stay in the influencer space. I feel like the world is your oyster as a young person. Your skills are transferable. Don't be married to it. If you get laid off by someone, just count it as a blessing and just try something new. I remember when I was very young, I got laid off. And I took a job in finance and I earned so much money. I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I barely do anything. I'm like, this is great. And then I got a call and they were like, we'd like you to be a talent producer. So book talent for a TV show. And all these bankers that I was working for, they were like, oh, you're doing a TV show. I said, yeah, do you want to come? And they all sat in their suits in a row and I got them front row seats. I was like, yeah, they look like accountants. (laughs) (laughs) I realized that finance wasn't for me. So I went back.
1: But you learned so much and you dropped that knowledge to us. I think it prepped you in some way. I think it's taking all the nuggets that you pick up along your journey in your career that makes you magic, Jenny, because it is true. Oh gosh, I'm not magic. You have a sense of things.
0: And I also think... One thing that I was given the advice, and I continue this with my children, be nice to everyone. That could be anyone from someone cleaning your office. Just be nice to everyone.
1: It doesn't cost anything. It's for free. That's so true. What a great line to end. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, sharing your wisdom. I appreciate you so much. Thank you again. Oh, thank you for having me, Katya.
0: I appreciate it.
1: What a fun episode to record with Jenny. She is just a wealth of information. And I hope that you guys walked away with just as much insight as I did. I've got a few key takeaways for you that you can leave with from this podcast. Number one is in fintech, there's not really product gifting. There's not a product to gift. So it's not standard practice when implementing influencer marketing as a strategy. So a winning approach is really looking at it as co-marketing and compensating the creators for their time and their effort in that way. If it doesn't work for the creator, that's okay. Be sure to leave the interaction positively. Basically, don't burn bridges, my friends. The brand's reputation is valuable and it should always be considered in this process. So if this doesn't meet the creator's expectations, that's okay. Part on good terms and no, that's just not the right creator for your program. Number two, it's important to have an amount for purchasing products and compensating creators. Have that in mind when you're coming to the table, when you're going for negotiations. The budget should be split between purchasing products and paying creators for their content. And when approaching creators, it's important to balance out the partnership between the brand and the influencer and have an equal split of topics and messaging for both parties. And number three, when determining the budget for influencer campaigns, brands typically consider their forecasted revenue and expenses, including marketing expenses. That's what you have to take into account. The budget for each campaign is also based on the campaign's marketing funnel stage. Product launch and KPI goals. Brands experiment with niche creators at the beginning of the year to gather data and use it for the following campaigns throughout the year. So success goals are set based on the budget and adjustments are made accordingly. Now, I'd love to hear the nuggets of insights you walked away with from this episode. Subscribe and follow on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a special thank you to my podcast producers, content allies. Let me know if you want more information. I'm obsessed with them and I want to share it. Check out the episode page to learn a little bit more about Jenny and also learn how you can get in touch with me too. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Until next time, may the conversation flow, the laughter linger, and the outlook remain optimistic but grounded in reality. This is Katya signing off.